My question about Arizona, because you know we just went through daylight savings time. Is it true that they don't observe it out there? Correct. I'm moving. Wow. Me too. It is impossible to anticipate where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the Atomi area will attack next. If your power goes out, remain calm. Oh my God. One, we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 41 of the First Sip Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with a friend of mine who I met through a network here in the Montgomery County area, <clears throat> Ed Burns. Ed is the VP of Relationships at Burns Shipping and Logistics. He is a former TEDx speaker, uh, and he's honestly just an awesome dude who I met through somebody. The first time I met him, I was just like, wow, this person is different. Um, and to give you an example, I spoke to him on the, on the phone the other day before we even got on here to talk to him about the podcast. And the first thing he says to me, he goes, Albert, what are you excited about today? That's it. That was the first question he asked me. I've never had someone come out of nowhere and just ask me that. So today, the answer to that question, I'm excited about this podcast. And we have Ed sitting here with us. So thanks for coming on, man. Mm. Well, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you, fellas. Yeah. Thank you. That was a nice intro there, Bert. I'm getting better. You hyped up? You ready to go today? I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm going to flip it right back at you, Ed, to start it. What are you excited about today, man? I'm excited to be talking to you two. No, it's an easy answer. Man, he was, yeah. ready, for mm-hmm. he was ready for that one. That was like a slow pitch. You were like, mm-hmm. here you go. Oh, yeah, that's all right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty amped up. It's uh, starting to get chilly in Pennsylvania, but today was a beautiful warm day. I got to go out and golf, which was wonderful. I've uh, been traveling a lot for work. Lately, going to nice warm places, going to, uh, to Arizona in a couple of days. Mm. Um, pretty excited to uh, to play some golf down there. Where'd you play today, and then where are you playing in Arizona? That was not going to be my question, but I'll let you go first, Bert. Yeah, those, those are important <laughs> questions. All right. So today, I played with a friend at Ledge Rock. Okay, uh, is that, is that Delaware? No, that's uh, that's Southern Berks County. Okay. Uh, and then down in uh, in Arizona, we're going to play some some fun courses. Probably the 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 most well known. We're going to play one called Greyhawk, which is like Phil Mickelson's in Scotland course. Yep. I heard I heard yep. the courses out there. I've never played. I heard the courses out there. Like you could like if you touch a certain cactus, they literally say if the ball goes in there, just leave it because they're poisonous mm. or like the plants and like the fescue. So wow. Heads up, ask the pros while you're Did out Did you there. know this? I, he looks like he didn't know that. No, he didn't. Well, so my wife grew up out there, uh, and she's uh, she's warned me about the cacti. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You have a guide. Now I have a guide. I feel safe. Good, good. My question about Arizona, because you know we just went through daylight savings time. Is it true that they don't observe it out there? Correct. I'm moving. Wow. Me too. I'm moving. It's like the single most sane state in America. Accidents and increase of just uh, people having issues at work, people having issues with their relationships, all because of the time change. First off, I was like, how do you even get that data? But it was one of those people who their job is to just research that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll give them some credit. You know me, I've always been on the side of getting rid of daylight savings time. I'm not with it. I don't understand it anymore. It just messes with my day. Damn. 
So, so how, how do we make the transition, D? Ed, I don't think we should worry about the rest of the country. Like you said, we just have to go to Arizona. We'll let everybody else figure it out. <laughs> so transition. actually, I think there's like 19 states who are already on board with, I think with, um, with abolishing. Most, most people, I've, I've, I've never met anybody who was a, who's a daylight savings time advocate. You see this? This is how you solve problems. So what, I don't understand what your guys' problem is. Is just the difference in it's, timing, like that. This light, is going to take us a couple days light. to get to get used to. Uh, I guess. Okay. It was it was this morning. It was lighter out. That was nice. But look at it right now. Yeah, it's very dark. It's what very time do you think it is right now? Well, I mean, it looks I like it's eight o'clock. The podcast started, so it's exactly. I see the clock. You see? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's nine o'clock right now. Time for bed. <laughs> yeah, it's dark. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <clears throat> but man, hey, we're getting into it. Yeah. Speaking well, about the country, Bert. What? What's going on with the country in the supply chain? Oh, uh, well, so uh, obviously we had a podcast, what was it, two back? Two episodes ago. Two back where me and Nikembe tried to talk about the supply chain, probably totally butchered it. So I said to him after the podcast, hey, man, we got to get on someone who works in the shipping and logistics industry and knows what they're talking about. Ed is that guy. So, Ed, why don't you give us a feel of what's going on right now, the challenges it's creating for your company and, and what you're seeing from an industry standpoint as a whole. Yeah, I and mean, this is this is pretty hot right now. Everybody's talking about it. Um, the thing is, you talk about the driver shortage. I know you, you mentioned the truck driver shortage in, in your podcast, uh, and people are just becoming aware of it now, but the industry's been talking about it for 20 years, right? So they say that we're 80,000 truck drivers short of what we need right now, and you know, five, 10 years, it's probably going to be close to 200,000. So, you know, uh, the American Trucking Associations, their uh, economist is Bob Costello. He puts out a lot of good statistics uh, related to the industry and the truck driver shortage. Um, But even within the industry, there's some argument about those numbers and what they mean and what it looks like. but it's, it all comes down to what, what they call in the industry a capacity challenge, right? These, there's a capacity crunch, a capacity shortage. So capacity is, is um, we've got trucks, right? We've got trucks in the marketplace, and there are different kinds. You've got uh, dry van trailers, which are the most common that you see over the road. Um, and then you've got flatbed trailers, um, and there's all different types of those. And then you've got refrigerated trailers, which are called reefers. And those have a little box unit on them, which uh, keeps the trailer at a, at a certain uh, certain temperature level. So, you know, if you're moving ice cream or fruit or, or lettuce, you know, then that has to move in a reefer trailer. So, so these are all, you know, you have truck drivers, but they're hauling different types of equipment and not all freight moves the same. So you talked about uh, the challenges at the port. And that's a, that's another piece of equipment to move those containers. You have to take a container and, and you have to put it on a chassis, which is a piece of metal. It's like a big hunk of metal and it's got wheels on it and you strap the, the container to it. But then you've got one size for the 40 foot containers and you've got another for the 20 foot, you know, like, so, so the, there's all this different equipment out there. So the capacity challenge is twofold. The first is that there probably are, there definitely aren't enough truck drivers in the marketplace for the amount of goods that need to move. Although our total tonnage, the amount of goods moving is actually down this year from what it was in 2019. So 2020 is probably not a good year to benchmark off of. We're down about 
Yeah, we're down about 1.9% in total tonnage from like 2019. So there's actually a little bit less freight moving, which it doesn't seem like, but that's that's what the what the data is saying. So so the first part is okay, there's not enough truck drivers to move the goods. The second is the utilization of the truck drivers and their equipment. Okay. So what that means is if I drive a truck and I need to go, I've got an empty trailer and I'm going to pull up and I'm going to back into a dock to get loaded. Well, how long does that take me to get loaded? And then I drive from point A to point B and I go and I need to get unloaded. Well, how long does it take me to get unloaded? And that's where we're losing a lot of capacity in the marketplace and it's called dwell time. So truck drivers are pulling in to get loaded or unloaded or there's a, they're dropping trailers, right? So I go to a place and I already have a trailer there that should be preloaded for me to pick up. And I'm bringing an empty trailer there to drop off so that they can load that the next day whenever they have time. So I just drop that trailer back into, into the loaded trailer and I pull out and that should take 15 minutes, right? But what's happening is instead of taking 15 minutes or half an hour to, to load an empty trailer, there's not enough labor in these warehouses to load and offload either. So now we're seeing dwell times of two hours, four hours, six hours. We had somebody uh, we work with experience, like a 16 and a half hour dwell time where they were there to get unloaded and they had to wait 16 and a half hours. Well, now you got hours of service laws where the regulations tell the drivers how long they can be on the road before they need to take a break. And, and as they're sitting there waiting, their clock is turning. Right. So now if I'm waiting for eight hours, I might have to stop and go to sleep to reset my clock mm -hmm. before I can go back and, and, and get loaded. So there's a lot of capacity in the marketplace is being uh, sucked up by inefficiencies like that. And that's something that, you know, it's hard to talk about because it's hard to figure out how to fix it. Um, but that, I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, that was going to be my uh, my question because you're saying this this is an issue that the trucking association has been aware of for the past 20 years. People have known this has been around, and they know the problem is going to continue to grow. So, are there any, I guess you know, really easy solutions that people have, but that are kind of hard to implement? So, what are people talking about on the solution side? Yeah, on the solution side, uh, one of the big pushes is to lower the over the road uh, driving age to 18. Right now, it's 21. Right. So you think about it when you were 17, 18 year old B or 17, 18 year old Albert, like what were you thinking about doing at that time? <clears throat> Just either school or making as much money as I can. Yeah. So, right. Definitely on the money side. Yeah. School was not in my mind. Yeah. 17. Leaving right. high school, I, was I was going like, to college, but yeah. I mean, I worked full time in college. So that's my thing. I remember having the conversation. I was like, you know what? I want to do something. I want to get a skill that will help me make money. But I just really just want to do something that allows me to make money. Mm hmm. So, right. Yeah. Right. And trucking is, is something that allows people to make a lot of money. Some people make really good money driving, sure. but if you, but if you're 18 years old and you're like, Oh, I want to go drive a truck and, and then, Oh, I'm sorry. You can't do that until you're 21. Oh, I'm just going to wait here for three years until you're ready to hire me. Right. That's what all these, no way they go, they, they choose a different career. They go do something else. Maybe they join the military. A lot of them go to college or they go to a trade school and you're off to the races. Uh, and you, and so a lot of the people who are coming into trucking, this is a second career for them, you know? 
So it's, it's an older population as far as a a career uh, pool Mm -hmm. Um, stats vary, but you know, at least 45 as the average age. So that's kind of an older demographic, which means that there are a lot of people in their fifties and sixties, a lot of people who, um, you know, are near retirement age, but it's not, it's not a, a young person's game right now, yeah. which is a lot. It's definitely part of the problem. Which way are things trending right now? Are we, are we headed towards a solution or are we headed towards like worse? Situation? Like automation. Like I, th- not I think even automation. I'm just saying there. the shelves are empty right now. Are mm-hmm. we heading towards? Oh, the you shelves mean like real short term? I meant right now. Like short term? Yeah, I don't know if there's like a short term. Like, is there a, a solution they can implement fast enough I that can know. solve this? Uh, he this would thing? know. I mean, I'm sure he's heard news or, like, or I feel updates like, yeah. on. <clears throat> is everybody backed up? What can we do, Ed? Stop buying crap. I like uh, that. It's yeah. a good solution. Me and Ed are just agreeing on everything today. This is great. Stay home. Stop buying product. Well, I think there's, there's a certain element that that's true. Like I was talking to a guy who's, I was at a picnic and this guy was like, Oh, you're in trucking. Uh, it's so annoying how many trucks there are on the road. I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like, what's the problem? He's like, I was driving and there was this truck in front of me and the truck was in my way. Can you believe it? I'm like, when's the last time you bought something online? He was like, Oh, this morning. I'm like, that truck probably had your shit on it. Like how do you think it got there? Right. 70% of, of the goods in America moved by truck. Right. So we definitely, I mean, the reality is, is we have a very consumer driven economy. We have a very materialistic uh, society. People like stuff uh, and we buy a lot of stuff we probably don't need. We have, uh, you know, so, so there's an element of that, but at the same time, there's stuff that has to move. It's not like, it's not like things shouldn't, be moving. It's not like there shouldn't be truckers, but there's an element of, I think people are over consuming, uh, garbage. Um, and, and I think we've created this double standard where we say, well, I don't want trucks in my way on the road, but I want Amazon to show up on my front doorstep tomorrow within four hours. Right. Yeah. And you, you can't have both. That's right. I think that's part of the illusion, though, is that we have gotten to a point and maybe like we, we talked about this in the first part where I think the pandemic has made people believe like we're in this world where you can have both right where you can get things delivered within two hours within a day from Amazon, but then not have to worry about like, OK, how are these things really getting there? You know what? How are we really impacting this overall system with our with our change in habits? Absolutely. Yeah. So. I'm so excited about the challenges we're seeing in the supply chain, not because I think they're good or, you know, inherently, but if, if people can learn from them, how stuff works, like how does something show up on my doorstep? Like it's not, it's not a magic trick that this stuff shows up. And I really think a lot of people believe that it's magic that stuff just shows up and it's just here and they don't understand how many steps it takes to get something to your front door from Taiwan, right? Like that's a far away place. And for your little thing, whatever it is to show up at your door, the steps it goes through, there's a lot of moving parts. I think, you know, you're talking about short-term solutions. There's no short-term solution because this is a long-term problem that's been building for a really long time. And, and there's no magic bullet to it, but, you know, a couple things that um, 
are hot are the automation, right? People look at trucking automation, um, autonomous trucks. That's really cool technology. Some of the coolest technology going today, I think, are, are uh, those advances are happening by autonomous vehicles, specifically trucks. Um, what a lot of people don't know is right now when, when they're running an autonomous truck, there are two people in the truck, not just one. You have a, a driver and an engineer. Um, yeah, and, and a lot of that is liability. A lot of that is um, that the technology isn't quite there yet to for a truck to run um, with there's different levels of autonomy that would be level five autonomy so some people are flirting with like level three level four autonomy um i don't know if there's some great graphics that like go through the different uh stages uh, of uh autonomous vehicles but like that's really cool stuff it's it's not going to be it's not going to be here next year though and it's certainly not going to be here tomorrow so I think the reality is the quick fixes are operational at the warehouses, right? So people who are moving goods, like companies that are moving goods and have warehouses need to do a better job of treating truck drivers like people. Because a lot of times right now, a truck driver will go someplace to make a delivery and get out of the truck. And the people there will say, what are you doing? Oh, I need to use a bathroom. Oh, you can't use our bathroom. Hmm. Dude, dude was just on the road for eight hours bringing you stuff and you can't let him use your bathroom, right? Like that's a really easy thing to do is just make sure that the drivers have the facilities they need. They should be able to have a rest area, especially like big warehouses. They should have a restroom area for drivers. They should have shower rooms for drivers. Like it would cost some money to put those things in, but it would make it easy for a driver to come in, park, use the facilities and, and keep going instead of having to like look for it. Like I that's actually, a really hard job and you're making it harder. I like that you brought that up. Cause I talked to a, a guy who owned a couple trucks before too. And he was saying that that's an idea he has when he moves down South, he wants to move down um, either like Georgia or South Carolina around that area buy a couple acres and just make it kind of like a parking lot, a rest stop for truck drivers, right? Where they have that kind of like one-stop shop where they can get, you know, some, they can get rest, they can get food, if they need to do laundry and stuff like that, if they need to get the truck, whatever it is, it would all be on that one lot. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that as like a need. But then hearing you say it again is like just the treatment, you know, of these drivers and then thinking about how many trips they have going back and forth. Like it, it makes sense. Right. Because you're, you're moving a trailer full of goods, whatever they are. It could be if you're moving a trailer full of electronics, though. There's somebody trying to steal that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and there's, you know, there are people, that's all they do is they go around and they try to steal trucks. Yep. They just try to steal trailers. So if, if you're a driver, you know, that's in the back of your mind that like, I need to park somewhere safe so that I can sleep tonight without being woken up, broken into, or having my trailer stolen. So that there's some really cool technology coming out in the industry right now to help with parking that helps people find and reserve parking spaces in secured lots. Hmm. So um, one of the ones we we have a relationship with is called uh, Truck Park. And they're an app that that uh, that allows people to to um, to reserve secured parking spots. Like that's a really good thing. That's an immediate benefit to the industry. Um, 
but I think they, the labor shortage is a, is a real problem. Um, I don't know where everybody went to, but I've noticed that everyone is now hiring and, uh, and these warehouses need needs to be staffed um, in order to make the flow of goods happen faster. The trailers need to be loaded and unloaded quickly and truck drivers cannot be kept waiting. Yeah. So say, uh, say someone was listening right now and they were like looking for like extra holiday cash. What do you, what are, if you know, like what are warehouses or even like companies that are hiring drivers typically paying right now from like a, like a high level standpoint, they, they pay, I know they do, yeah. but I figured he would know like a figure. Cause who knows? Someone might be listening and be like, Oh wow. Mm-hmm. I go work on the weekend. Yeah. I mean, you could go work on the weekend in a, in a warehouse and make, you know, 20, 25 bucks an hour. See, that's- um, yeah. And, and there are some that, that are, you know, are advertising more. I've the highest I've seen for like warehouse type jobs is like 32 bucks. Now maybe you need to be able to drive a forklift to do that, to make that kind of money there. I don't know. Uh, truck drivers pay ranges. Uh, there's kind of a high barrier to entry because it probably costs five, six grand to, to go to a truck driving school and go through the, the CDL process. But what a lot of trucking companies are doing now is they're, they're covering that cost for people. Mm-hmm. And they have their own truck driving schools. And they say, if you come through our truck driving school, we'll cover the cost. And some of them will pay you for your time to go through that. And they just, you know, have, they're looking for you to work for them. Right. But even talking to trucking companies that do that, they have a tough time sometimes keeping people. They might have eight people come through and then two stay. That's, you know, I've heard that because sometimes people are just going through the training because they know they'll get the bonus, you know, or they will get Not this, bonus, this training the, the salary. License. Yeah. yeah you get the, license. the salary and you get the, the license and then go work somewhere. You'll get that education for the two, three weeks, you know, while you're in the school, get paid for it, come out with your license and now you're off to the races. That's what I'm saying. Okay, a yeah. better, a different. Why would I, why better. would I sit around? Right. Um, it's, it is interesting, but oh, I also sure. wonder too, like you were saying from, because there's always been that gap, you know, from kids being able to start right out of high school. Has that maybe been a part of the hiring issue where people have been so focused on other things? Because we talk about a lot. Like if we can go back in time, like I know half of us would probably say, let me focus on just getting this, you know, this skill and working in this skill based service oh, yeah, trade. as opposed to, trade. you know, yeah, as opposed to going and getting a degree that kind of just leaves it up in the air of what I'll actually make after this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like think about it. I know my cousin, once again, like I talked about, it, he just went through HVAC school and is now getting jobs every single week. Of course. And he's 20 years old. Mm hmm. Right. And I'm like, that's the, the possibilities well, think, are out here. I think schools, uh, I think schools are right now offering like, like high schools are starting to launch programs, CDL programs. Yeah. You're yeah. seeing a lot of changes from them. Yeah. Well, cause of what the country needs it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. The opportunities there. I think if we're being candid, there's a society has been, uh, there's been this lie and that's, that's the best way to put it. It's a lie that's been perpetuated for the last 30 years that the best way to be successful and the the way to have a fulfilling life is to go to college have some fun meet people get your get your education get your degree and maybe it'll take you five or six years but you know what it's worth it it's the best it's the best five six years of your life and then and then you'll go on and you'll make $115,000 a year to start and everything's going to be so perfect and and there's just been this narrative that's been put out there, like the way to be successful is go, to go to college. And that's not true. 
that's that's not true. And um, and like you said, their HVAC, uh, I think, is is a great example. You, you're going to make more money coming out of a trade school with those kinds of skills than you are graduating oh, yeah. with the no, average college with no debt. Yeah, with no or, debt, or smaller or smaller debt. Mm-hmm. From, yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. You know, I'm happy you talked about like, okay, we've all kind of grown, you know, with this kind of like brainwash idea, like, oh, you got to follow this exact route, you know, and this I mean, is how it definitely works best for some job. people. For some people, for yeah. sure. But it's I think once again, route. like, as we came up, like, not we no didn't hear, yeah, no, it's like go to school for the things that make sense. Sure. And I think growing up, like, I didn't, I know, let me speak for myself, like, I didn't come into enough people who were like, oh, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? As opposed to just like, okay, well, what college are you going to right after high school? That was always the conversation. And it was like, now you run into so many different mentors, so many different people, like, you know, this is what we do on the podcast that are working in so many different let's just service-based industries, right? Different trades. And it's, you see like, wow, if you can find a way to, we were talking about this before the episode, if you can find a way to deliver a high level of service, that high quality of service that you see from other businesses that you'll go and work for, you can still find a way to live a very fruitful life. Like, in, of course. And, and make the same, if not more money. Of course. Right? Like, cause once again, like, I don't know, I have not met many people in the banking industry, the finance industry, who have been able to sit there as an employee under certain departments and become a seven figure earner, an eight figure earner, right? And say like, okay, now I'm a millionaire. It's always the people on the other side of the table who own their businesses, right? Who own their trade. And it's like, oh, you do what for yourself? You are a partner of what company? And that's how they've been able to accumulate their wealth, how they've been able to get to that point in their life. And I'm like, man, what would the, what would it look like for some of us? If we went back, you know, 10 years, 15 years and said, okay, start developing this way. Right. But we can't, we can't, but now, this <laughs> we is can't. Why, you know, we talk to people like Ed and yeah. it's like, okay, hopefully somebody's listening and saying, let me look at that. Right. Let me try. Let me try something else. And regarding regarding trying something else, what was and I and I spoke about it earlier. What was your TEDx talk about? I mean, I think we we like beat down the supply chain thing to death, and I appreciate all the insight. But when you when you did the TEDx talk, what was that about? Yeah, I was. Um, so before I was doing this, uh, I was doing uh, marketing, digital marketing. So uh, the talk was about social media and real human relationships. Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and like, what, how did what? Obviously, it's on YouTube. You can find it. I saw it on your LinkedIn. But what was the premise of of your ideology behind this the talk? Quite simply, that in a social media world um, where. We're so used to it and we have it in our hands with us all the time. Uh, and we spend so much, so much time behind a screen. And especially, I think this has been exacerbated in the last two years. It's really easy to forget that the other people on the other side of that other screen, those are people too, right? It's easy to forget that whoever's commenting or posting, we see a post, we don't like it. And it's really easy to forget that that person has hopes, dreams, and desires like we do and they have hurts fears uh you know pains like we do and it's and and so the purpose of the talk was to just point out that social media should be social and and being social beings uh human beings are social beings that we are made to connect with one another and that's not best done actually through social media so um social media has a role to establish or further friendships uh, or connections. So like LinkedIn is a great platform and sales cycle, but it can't be the whole 
sales cycle. I mean, you can transact business on LinkedIn. Yes. Yes, you can, but that's not a good use of it. A good use of LinkedIn is to have it as part of your sales cycle, but to establish real relationships with other people and then go meet them and get to know who they are. Yeah, I think that's such, I mean, there's so many important points you just brought up there. Oh, for sure. And once again, like my concern is always that are we getting to a point where it's it's going to be hard to reverse that, right? Because I feel I like- I mean, it's inevitable. Yeah, right? It's like, so I feel like the inevitable. more we dive and you know, we'll have, we'll have a whole conversation on the metaverse sometime in the future, but I think the more we move forward into this world where people are just moving to more virtual connections, more relationships over social media and online, I think people are forgetting how to have actual interactions in person, right? And then once again, you take that online and it's like, my first thing is gonna be, I'm either looking for somebody who immediately agrees with what I agree with, and if I see something on the other side, then I'm going to bash and attack this. And in reality, you can't go through life like that. Well, correct, but the, which is that proponent that you mm -hmm. just touched on has been like, um, prominent and yeah. strengthened by mm -hmm. the media, the ideology of just bashing one another. Mm -hmm. if you disagree. Yep. Um, Ed, when the marketing company was a company of you, correct? You, you started it, right? You was all you. Well, I mean, I had a lot of help. Oh. I had a lot of help along the way. I had a lot of good mentors, had some people who worked with me over the years. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think. Cause I, re I remember when we met at that, that the one event, you you were saying that like your whole focus was just revamping the the marketing and like the way people what what was the just original approach that you would try to take so say someone was listening or say first sit right how we get out there and just look better sound better what was like your your first goal from that standpoint yeah so when i started it while i was in college because i i didn't want to go to college and it was definitely an expectation that was put on me uh by my parents and, and they meant the best. I don't, you know, it, it all worked out fine. I'm not, but at the time I was like, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. Um, and, and it's funny cause life has the way I was working out, you know, um, as, if, as long as something doesn't kill us, we usually wind up okay or better. Um, so, so, so I was in college and I was like, I don't, you know, I went to college. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't really want to go work for somebody. Uh, my dad had had his business that he started when I was a kid. Um, and I always looked up to him for doing that. And uh, so I started uh, doing some consulting, well, like just some 1099 contractor work on political campaigns. And then I met a guy who um, was doing websites. And then while in college, I started doing website work for him. I would build websites and do email marketing. Um, and then as I was getting ready to graduate college, he started to, to say, Hey, here's a client, here's a client. So I started to build up some clients. I start, I found some clients of my own. So I was getting ready to graduate. I thought, well, I kind of have a business. Um, where can I go from here? So I, I worked to build the business. That's all. So the way that, that I did, you know, I had a digital marketing business, but the way that I built it was through a lot lot of in-person networking and a lot of meeting people and getting out and being seen because what I found in the little marketplace where I, uh, where I live in you know, Berks County, Pennsylvania around Reading, Pennsylvania is that it's very trust focused. It's very trust oriented. So people need to trust you to do business with you. So, um, again, I, digital tools have a, a huge, uh, 
huge role to play right now in growth and, and marketing, no doubt about it, but it has to be coupled with something else. So you can be running uh, social media ads, but where can you put a human touch in? Because what we're seeing is so many people in the digital marketing space are like, automate everything. You never have to talk to anyone and you'll get sales and leads. Well, that's fine, but everyone's doing that. So it's like to be different, you have to go back old school. Like one of my favorite things to do is write handwritten thank you notes because no one does it anymore. So it, it makes an impact. So I, I think it's just when you know your customer and you understand what makes them tick and what fuels them and you know who your target is and you really get in their heads, then you find out how to how to work around that. That was that was perfect. I mean, because that was exactly what we were talking about before as we were, and I'm happy you asked it that way because, you know, the one thing we're trying to do with First Step in the community is just keep trying to grow, right? And by communicating with people like you who have better understanding about marketing, you know, how to just understand who it is you're actually communicating with, who you're trying to talk to. I think it's going to continue to help us do what we're trying to do, but for sure, it, it all starts, like what you said, with understanding who it is you're trying to, to serve at the end of the day. And if you can do that, then all the other automated stuff, you know, all the templates, all the graphic design, I feel like comes easier because you already know what to, what to give the people. Great. So I want to, I want to come to your first coffee hat, coffee hour. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The first, first sip sponsored coffee hour. Yeah. You do a little tasting. Uh, A guy I actually used to work for is one of the best sales minds I've ever met was a massive proponent of writing letters. Believe Mm -hmm. it or not. He always kept harping on, I no longer get mail. He was like, I don't, I don't get mail. Whenever they bring me mail to my office, I look at it because I get four pieces of it but I get thousands of emails. So it's funny that you touched on that and, and he tried to implement that and a bunch of the younger sales guys was to always send a letter. Yeah, and, and it's to piggyback right on that because that's another thing that you hear a lot about in the real estate industry. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but I work in real estate, Ed. And that is the number one thing that they're saying. If you want to compete against these big companies, these digital companies like the Zillow, Redfin's, you know, um, Open House, you have to bring back that personal touch that other agents aren't using anymore. Other agents are relying on the digital leads that are being serviced for them by Zillow and all these other companies, but no one's going door to door and saying, hey, I'm your local agent. You know, here's my card. Let me know. Or how's your business doing? Just having that normal conversation with people. Or like you said, the amount of agents I've heard, actually, Brittany talked about that. Mm -hmm. You know, being able to get an offer accepted for our clients by writing, by having them write an actual letter and saying, okay, what is it that you're looking for? Why should this person, you know, want to work with you as opposed to another client? Mm-hmm. And that right there was the game winner for her. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we do business with people who we know, like, and trust. That's never going to change. And it was always that way. So the question just becomes, well, how do I do that right now? And, and that's, that's always going to change a little bit. But how do we know, like, and trust people? And it's by building relationships. And is that what you're just doing daily then within your dad's company is just focusing on strengthening the relationship between your clients? Yeah. I mean, we are a relationship focused. We are an outsourced sales team for trucking companies, right? So we go out and we work with small to medium sized truck fleets uh, that don't necessarily have a sales team. And we find them freight opportunities that work with their network. So that means we're, we're selling to two parties. We're selling to trucking companies to get them to sign on with us. And we're selling to shippers of all sizes. So we're selling to big fortune 100 companies that are moving a lot of stuff. It's the stuff you eat and drink and, 
and, and you see every day and we're working with, with smaller, uh, smaller shippers as well. So everything is relationship oriented because when you have a market like this, you need to have strong relationships to get through it. Cause I mean, it's a mess right now. Like it, it's a mess. So how do you get through it? Well, you have to have people who know you, like you and trust you and who you trust too, so that you can transact business through a market swing. Cause these market swings happen in the trucking industry about twice as frequently as, uh, as the economy. So the market gets loose and then it gets, uh, it gets tight. Like right now it's as tight as it's ever been, but you know, 2019 was a loose market. Like it was, or 2018, um, into, into 19, it was really tough for trucking companies to get freight on their trucks, right? So you have to have the ability to connect people who will say, hey, when it's tough for you, I'm going to be here for you. And when it's tough for me, I need you there for me. And then it's one thing to say it, but then you got to find the people who are actually going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like that's, that's a lot of industries though. I mean, it's not obviously just trucking the industries we work into. It, it, it's hard to find the trust in somebody and create that element that you're going to be trustworthy. But those are the people that usually see climbing the sales boards or the leaderboards or the people that once you have a conversation with them one time, like honestly, the first time I met you Ed, I just, <clears throat> when, when Bill introduced us, I was like, this, this seems like a good guy. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a hard first thing to relay or, or portray. And, and the thing is, I wonder, I wonder why it's so hard, right, for people, because do we overcomplicate the simple things? No. Like, once again, like, I did not meet Ed before today, sure. right? And sitting here, it's like, you can, I can just tell just based on what we've talked about, you know, just the way, like, he carries himself, just the energy, right? Like, I'm, I always talk about energy, and I'm sitting here, I'm, you can tell he's somebody who really values relationships. The words he's using to talk about the way he comes into contact with people, it's just, you can tell he has it very high up in his priority list. And I wonder, like, how do other people, like you said, because you don't find it often, but what is it that we're doing that's making us miss this? Are we just selfish? No, no. I mean, I, I mean that's a deep question, bro. I mean, I yeah. basically asking it, how, how can you dignify or create a level of becoming genuine? And that's almost impossible to decipher. I don't know. I, th- I think, I think it is, I think it's possible. It's, it's doing what you say you're going to do. It's staying in touch with people, right? So, so you know, we met, I don't know, probably two and a half years ago, but um, but we ha- we definitely had a connection and we were able to, you know, connect a little bit after that. And then we were able to reconnect. So now we're here talking again. Like, not everyone makes that effort to, to stay connected. Um, mm. and, and, and then that's all. It just takes a little bit of effort. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing, right? It's like, are you really willing to put in the effort and the time that's necessary? Yeah, I mean, it circles back to everything we typically talk about from a success standpoint. What we also always talk about, Ed, is a content wreck of the week, which I, I want to ask you for yours. But before you give that, what what was the cigar choice, because I'm interested, that you went <laughs> with for this, uh, this episode here? So today, I was talking to you guys, and I was really excited about it, so I, I broke it. Got a Ramon Iones from AJ Fernandez. Okay. Uh, so it's a it's a medium, I'd say medium bodied smoke. It's very flavorful. It's got a nice complexity. It changes as you as you smoke it, but it starts out. It's nice and smooth all the way out. And uh, and D, we're gonna get you into cigars. You know that was better than Albert has ever described a cigar. So he's after a, that, he's much better at it. Than I, I would. I'm, I'm in because you've never described a cigar like that. He's an aficionado. Why didn't you ever say it like that? 
because none of you guys enjoy it. He that talks about cigars like I talk about food. He does. He, he gets it. Yeah, he does. He gets he it. He gets it. I mean, wow. I love cigars. I thoroughly enjoy it. But you them. never broke it down like that? I don't understand them like that. Wow. He probably wow. knows what, Ed, where that's I'm from. There. Where, I'm there. He probably know, Where is that from? Is it, is it Nicaragua? This is a Nicaraguan, yeah. Hmm. Okay, okay. You made up some points he there. Knew. All right. All right. Yeah. Cool points there, Bert. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I asked him to text me before the episode. Where okay, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> no. good prep points. So, good prep points. So, Ed, like I said, we, we obviously always do a content record of the week. Do you have one for the people, something that, that you've been excited about lately or, or something? Yes. That, let's hear it. I am stoked out of my mind about books all the time. Oh, I love reading. Uh, you're talking to Kembe's language. Here we go. Let's all hear right. it. All right. So, so my content wreck of the week is Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, mm. which is a novel written and published in 1957. Mm. And it, uh, it's a little bit of a controversial book at the time. Um, what this woman who wrote the book uh, had escaped Soviet Russia and came to the United States. And she mm. would write about, uh, she was very philosophical, but she wrote a lot of novels um, sometimes like Anthem is one of her books that's usually required reading in schools. Uh, another famous one is Fountainhead. But Atlas Shrugged perfectly describes our current economy, I believe. And she anticipated it, uh, you know, 70 years ago almost. Um, she talks about an economy where it's hard to find labor, where materials are short, where the supply chain is breaking down. And she talks about why. Um, and I think there's there's stuff in there that, can easily and should be disagreed with, but there's a lot in there that's very eye-opening into why things are the way they are. Mm. So, so that is that is my content wreck of the week. Atlas Shrug. I gotta write that down. Interesting. By Ayn Rand. My backup, if I may, was just because we touched on it. We talked about authenticity in sales. The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. Um, it's a it's a great sales book. And it's told in the form of a fable. Um, and yeah. Og Mandino is a very interesting person who rose out of poverty to become a very successful person. Uh, and, and it goes through uh, in ancient times, there were, you know, these people who were great salespeople, great merchants, and how they accrued their wealth. The secrets were in 10 scrolls, and each one had uh, a secret of sales in it. So one, uh, uh, one of them is like, I will, I will greet each person with love in my heart. I greet each day with love in my heart. Right. So, so that's one of the things that we talk about authenticity and being genuine is, is when we are able to look at someone who we maybe don't know, but just say, I, you know, and, and be loving towards them, not in a weird way, but just in a genuine way, it it changes the nature of the conversation. Wow. I definitely got to read that one. That it's is it almost kind of like a forty nine um, on Amazon. Yeah, I'm definitely getting that this week. You is it almost it like a richest man in, ba- in Babylon? Have you read so, that you one? Know. Is it? Kind oh of yeah, George that? George S. Classen. Yeah, I, it's funny you say that. I just ordered like ten copies of that book it's, to give away as Christmas gifts. I find I read it almost because I have it on Audible too. So I'll probably go through it like once every three months. I feel like it just has. Yeah, like you said it. It breaks down the principles in such a good storytelling way that you can just go through and it's like hmm. That is a good reminder. You know, this is a principle I need to live by. Like, these are just basic things. They're not hard. Let's not overcomplicate it. You know, so I find myself going through like certain books like that. And yeah, that's definitely. Yes. Well, well, success, success doesn't change. Like the principles of success, being a good person, being a, a person of virtue, uh, 
doing the right thing. Like these are things that don't actually change at all. So the, you can remind yourself of those principles every time. And it's always like, it's something new. Exactly. So I love it. And when you brought up Atlas Shrugged too, because I do this thing where I write down quotes, right? That like really hit me. And I remember reading one, or I heard somebody talking about it before from, um, how do you pronounce the first name? Ayn Rand? Is that, is that it? That's what he said. They had a quote saying, we can evade reality, but we cannot evade the consequences of evading reality. Right. And like you're saying, I'm feeling like that is exactly where we're stuck in right now, where it's like we can continue to put up this illusion, you know, put our blinders on and tell ourselves everything's fine. The world is good. But whether or not we want to admit it, the consequences are coming and eventually we have to deal with it. So when they do get here, what do we do? They're here. They're here, D. And you're so right, because like it's so much easier to just get a dopamine hit by scrolling Instagram. Oh, that's social media all day. Right. It's, it's easier to do that than to say, how am I investing my money? How am I, how am I using my dollar? Why like, am I not like, spending five minutes on learning a new language? Why am I not taking 10 minutes to call my mom, my dad? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So like the things that matter are easy to avoid. Hmm. But. <laughs> What's your content rec? Damn. Deep. Damn, 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 man. So I've kind of been jumping all over the place this past week. I'm back into a new book. I've been watching some shows. So, but the book I'm reading, back in my real estate stuff, because, you know, once again, we're trying to further our knowledge. You remember those, I don't know if your parents ever, like, used to get them, but the Four Dummies series? No. Oh, oh the yellow books. Like the, yeah, With the dot, black dot, lettering dot, on four, the dummies, four Dummies, right? Yes. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, let me try to find some new real estate books, some other business-minded books. And I find the Real Estate Investing for Dummies. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is good. It has some, and it's been updated. So it has some new tax information in there. I ordered this book and I'm looking through it, just flipping through the pages. I'm like, this is such a good breakdown on everything and anything that anybody who wants to get into the investing world needs to know about real estate. When you, when you read the title and says, oh, real estate investing for dummies, you would think, oh, well, this is probably real surface level stuff. When I tell you everything that I've spent years studying about real estate, you can sit there and pick up that book, read through it from, and actually read it from start to finish, and you will have a great understanding of a lot of these real estate terms. Yep. A lot. Yeah, what were you going to say? Do, do, they, do they have like good like graphics yes. and stuff in so there? So they'll have like little Pictures, indicators next to it. Picture like, learner. Yeah, like this is a tip that you need to learn. Oh, like this is, this is something that's really not too relevant, but if you want to, you know, maybe look into it some more, you should. And then once, if you want to skip ahead, maybe there's a certain section. Maybe you want to focus on single family investing as opposed to multifamily investing. Maybe you want to move into multi-unit apartment buildings, right? And you're saying, okay, I'm ready to skip past a couple things. Maybe you only want to know, how do I avoid taxes after I sell my house? You can skip through all those sections and it's right there for you. So mm-hmm. that's what I've been diving into and just trying to, you know, once again, sharpen your knowledge, get better. 1% of the time. I'm, getting, I'm getting a copy right now. I love it. I there love you it. go. See, this Sold. Is what it's about. Sold. I'm getting Atlas Shrugged and he's getting that. <laughs> See what we do. Yep. Uh, Bert, so, take us home. Yeah, well, you guys touched on all the, the books and the inspirational stuff, so I'm going to uh, resort it back to some Netflix. Well, we got DJ Khaled dropped a new album. He did. Uh, did he? I don't. You see, that's what I was waiting uh, for. I don't well, know. I got super <laughs> excited. Um, no, mine is actually uh, the newest season of You. Why are you? You. I don't know. Why I said it like been, that. You. Been tapped in? You. Um, I don't. Know. So it's about like a, a stalker, and they're actually they're serial killers at this point. Everybody knows Joe. Yeah, everybody knows Joe. From, but season three of You, if you haven't watched it yet, definitely got some bad reviews out the gate. I personally believe the season started. I thought it was terrible, mm. from my honest opinion. 
we're on the last episode now. We haven't watched it yet, and it got awesome. It picked up. They're crazy, man. I didn't watch it, it because one of, what of the you said darkest, the first time. weirdest shows I've ever seen. The first time you were like, eh, this season not too good. So I was it wasn't like, okay, good. I'm not watching it. It was it was boring. It was repetitive because wow. um, we've seen the story before, but it, it evolved, and it is it is so dark, man. So we he might we might so have a crazy. season four. We're definitely gonna have a season four. Wow, wow. I already wow, found wow. that's confirmed. So, hmm. uh, not based on the final episode, based on what I saw online. Interesting. Yeah. Um, with that being said, Ed, you got anything else for us? Any other questions? Anything else to leave the the, the team, the listeners? I I just want to know. I you know if we could if we could go into what you guys are most excited about for next week. <laughs> See, oh, dude, I told you for next makes you think. Oh man, well. I'm going to have to talk about real estate again because I this is this is my first year going full-time real estate, right? I was working in, in banking before this. So as I was telling Albert, every week for me is kind of like a new learning experience. And this week I'm hosting my first open house this weekend. So hopefully everything goes well with that, right? Like everything is being planned out. Don't want to have any issues pop up that I didn't kind of, you know, think about or plan for. So this time next week, I kind of see myself, you know, hopefully negotiating some sort of contract, some sort of offer. And that's what we're working towards. So. We'll check back in and see how we're doing on that. I'm going to check in with you on it. I love it. He will. I love it. Accountability. I love accountability. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, What am I most excited about for next week? So this is final quarter in the industry that I'm in. I am Mm -hmm. in the insurance industry. um, And I have probably one of the biggest proposals that I have had in my career yet to date coming up. So we will see. There's about a 15% success probability on that. But that means that there's still a 15% success probability. So, I love that. I mean, you just got to keep moving it through the changes. Yeah, like, all right, keep so, up in that so, probability. Uh, the, you know, don't want to jinx anything, but we'll see if that goes down. But honestly, what, what is really exciting is my, my wife is turning 30 very soon. Um, and there's a lot that encompasses that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's planning and, and, and she's, she's excited. And that means the chapter's turning. So that's exciting that I get to see that. How about you, Ed? Why don't you drive us home with what you're excited about for next week? Excited to spend a little time in Arizona. I'm really excited that I that I met Dikembe here, and I, I, I'm excited for both of you guys at those opportunities. We've got we've got some stuff in the, in the hopper too. So I I'd say I'm excited that I think I found some new accountability partners tonight. There you go. Nice, cool man. I love that. Yeah, and I definitely cool. want to hear about Arizona because once again we got some things to look at in the future. We might have to move first sip out there. Ed, are you a member at Cigar Mojo? I'm not. Next time we sit down, it'd be cool to do one because we could move this anywhere. Next time we do a podcast with you on, man, it'd be cool doing over a cigar. Maybe we can introduce the Kembe. Oh, can something. we do that? Oh, I like that. Yeah, sit down because nice. they're quiet in there. Ooh, I'm not. I'm not here for an argument. Yeah, I know Ooh. that. I so, like that. Let's get that on the books. Um, Ed, thank you so much. We really appreciate it, man. Um, we'll be in touch. I'll be following up soon. Thank you, everyone, and as always, enjoy the first set.